If you would, would you please take your Bible, open it up, and turn to Joshua chapter 14. Joshua chapter 14, it's found on page 180 in the Bible that the church provides. And I do want to say that this is, this is my small tribute to Ed Dobson. Because Ed Dobson never had a typical or conventional uh, introduction. He never used the classic introduction. In 18 years of listening to him preach, I don't think I ever once heard him tell a catchy story or use a captivating illustration to open up a sermon. All he did was get up here and say, open up your Bibles to whatever text he was preaching that morning and started reading. So here we are, Joshua chapter 14. Verse 6. Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Yephunneh the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land, and I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Yephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Yephunneh the Kenizzite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. This morning we're in Joshua chapter 14, and Joshua chapter 14, this, this second half of Joshua chapter 14, is the story of Caleb. It's the story of Caleb receiving the inheritance that God, through Moses, had promised him 45 years before this story is recorded for us. Now, Caleb had been part of the people of Israel for all of that time. This is the first time that we are introduced to Caleb in the book of Joshua, but prior to this, Caleb had been part of Israel. Caleb had been with Israel when they left Egypt. Caleb had been with the people of Israel when they crossed the Red Sea. The God had, remember, God parts the Red Sea and the people of Israel walk across on dry land. Caleb walked across the Red Sea on dry land. Caleb was with the people of Israel when they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Caleb was part of the people of Israel. Up until this time, now in the book of Joshua though, we have not yet been introduced to Caleb. But now, we are introduced to this extraordinary man. Now in this text, we read that Caleb is 85 years old. He's 85 years old and he's come now to Moses and he said, Moses, remember back then? Remember when God promised me this land? Remember when God promised me Hebron? I'm now ready to take Hebron. 
at 85 years old, and he is the one, notice, notice that Caleb is the one that points out that he's 85 years old. But not only has he been promised the land, look what verse 12 says. Verse 12 says that he still, not only has he been promised the land, but he still has an assignment. The land is still being held by the Anakites. The land is still being held by these giants of Canaan, and Caleb has an assignment. And his assignment is to take the land that God had promised him. Caleb actually, at 85 years old, has to do some work to see the promise of God fulfilled. So Caleb steps out and at 85 years old, pursues the promise that God had made to him. Now, Caleb at 85 doesn't fit our typical, our typical stereotype of retirement, does he? He's not sitting back sipping sweet tea while looking at a golf course. Caleb at 85 years old is engaged. Caleb at 85 years old is ready to pursue the promise, to possess the promise that God has made to him. Think about this. He's an octogenarian. Caleb has lived eight decades. This guy is an old man. But Caleb is ready to take the promise that God has made to him. But he has to do the work. He has to drive out the Anakites. And he does just that. Jump down to chapter 15. Look at chapter 15, verses 13 and 14. In accordance with the Lord's command to him, Joshua gave to Caleb, son of Yephunneh, a portion in Judah, Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron. Arba was the forefather of Anak. This is the key, verse 14. From Hebron, Caleb drove out the three Anakites, Sheshai, Ahiman, and Talmai, the sons of Anak. Caleb, at 85 years old, took Hebron. He drove out the Anakites. He drove out these giants. These are the giants of Canaan. Not everybody in Canaan are giants. The Anakites are giants. And Caleb at 85 drives them out of the land. Caleb at 85 is still going strong. Caleb at 85 is still full of life. So our question for this morning is what makes Caleb so effective? What makes Caleb effective, as effective at 85 as he was at 40 years old? Why is it that Caleb is so effective? Now, if you are here this morning and you are, and you are older, this story of Caleb should be an encouragement for you because we have some octogenarians here in this room, don't we? Well, let's do this. Well, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna be pot. How many of you here are in your 90s? Are there any, is there anybody here that's in their 90s? Raise your hand. Okay. No 90s. How many of you are here are in your 80s? Raise your hand. Okay, great. We got some 80-year-olds. Yes, it's awesome. 80-year-olds here. How many of you are in your 70s? Raise your hand. Okay, we got some more 70-year-olds. Got some 70s. Okay, how many of you are here and in your 60s? Okay, great. 60s. How many of you are here in your 50s? Yep. Okay, you are older. <laughs> it's, this is good, though. Hang on. You, you're, it's going to be good. You are older. 
And this, this story of Caleb is for you. But it's not only for all of you. Now let's do this. How many of you are 50 or younger? Raise your hand. Notice I have my hand up too. <laughs> I wrote the sermon. I get to break out the age groups. <laughs> we are younger. And what has happened here is every single one of us here in this sanctuary this morning should have raised our hands. That's because the story isn't only for those who are older. The story of Caleb is for each one of us here this morning. What is it that makes Caleb so effective? There's a phrase. There's a certain statement made about Caleb. And this statement is made about Caleb six times in the Bible. Three times in the book of Numbers, and three times here in the book of Joshua. The first time we see the phrase is found in chapter 14, and it's found in verse 8. Caleb says of himself to Moses, I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. In verse 9, after Moses has given him the promise of the inheritance, Moses says, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. And then in 14, Caleb, excuse me, Joshua writes why he fulfilled the promise of the inheritance. Look at what it says, verse 14. Because he, Caleb, followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. This phrase is the answer to why Caleb was so effective. Caleb was so effective because he followed the Lord God wholeheartedly. This phrase, followed the Lord wholeheartedly, this phrase means to be filled up with God. It means to be filled with the presence and the power of God. To follow the Lord wholeheartedly means you have God inside of you. It has the idea of, of closing the gap. It's a phrase that hunters use in the idea that they are trying to close the gap between themselves and their prey. Caleb wanted to close the gap between himself and God. He wanted as little distance as possible between himself and and between God, you see every ounce, every inch, every molecule of Caleb's being was devoted to following the Lord. He was totally and utterly and completely committed to following God. Why is he so effective? Because Caleb followed the Lord, the God, almighty, wholeheartedly. Caleb belonged to God and he was completely committed without reservation. Now here's the thing. This isn't only Caleb. You and I, whether 85, 45, 15, each one of us have the opportunity to follow the Lord our God wholeheartedly. But if you're like me, you read that phrase and you think, okay, I see that. I hear that. I am to follow the Lord God wholeheartedly. But what does that look like? What does it look like to follow the Lord God wholeheartedly, every ounce, 
every molecule, every inch, every part of our being? What does it look like to follow the Lord God wholeheartedly? Well, Caleb in our text demonstrates for us what it looks like to follow the Lord wholeheartedly. And there are three ways in which Caleb demonstrates his wholehearted commitment to God. The first way, the first way that Caleb demonstrates commitment to God was through his confident faith. Caleb demonstrates his wholehearted commitment to God through his confident faith. Our text, verses 6 through 9, review the confident faith that both Caleb and Joshua had 45 years before when Moses instructed them and 10 other spies to check out the land of Canaan. Look at verse 7. Look at what Caleb says. I brought him, I brought Moses back a report according to my convictions. In the Hebrew, this literally says his heart was overflowing with confidence. When Caleb brings back the report of his investigation of the promised land, he comes back with a report that is overflowing with confidence. Caleb believed Caleb believed that God would go before them into the land, and Caleb believed not only that God would go before them into the promised land, he believed that God would be with them while they were in the promised land, and he believed that God would defeat the enemies, the people of Canaan who were residing in that land that God had promised to the people of Israel. Caleb believed. He had a confident faith that God was who he said he was and God would do, he would complete the promises that he made to the people of Israel. Now there's a story found in Numbers 13 and 14. It's the story of Caleb and Joshua spying out the land. So turn back to Numbers 13 and 14. It's found on page 117. Now, we're going back 45 years in time. We're going back 45 years to when Moses instructs the spies to go in the promised land. At that time, the people of Israel had been out of Egypt for about a year. God had taken them out of the slavery of Egypt. He had helped them across the Red Sea. He had drowned the Egyptian army in the Red Sea. He had walked with the people of Israel for that year, providing them food, providing them water, giving these rations and these supplies to them daily. The people of Israel by this time had met with God on Mount Sinai where he assembled them as a nation, where he gave them a blessing, where he gave them the law. And now... They're at Kadesh Barnea. They're on the edge of the land that God has given them. And Moses picks 12 men to enter into that land to spy it out, to check out what's happening in the land, and to calculate what it's going to take to conquer the land that God had promised to them. The spies go into the land, and they're in the land. They're searching and they're spying for about six weeks. After six weeks, they come back to Moses. And they first issue a majority report. Ten of the spies come back with, this, with a majority report. And this is what it says. Look at Numbers 13, 27 and 28. This is the majority report. We went into the land to which you sent us. And it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. 
But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. We saw giants there. Down to verse 31. We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. This was the majority conclusion. This is the majority report, and it's signed by 10 of the spies that go into the land. But there's also, there's also a minority report, and the minority report is signed by Joshua and by Caleb. And look who does the talking. Verse 30, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. The majority then fight back. They multiply the difficulties and they magnify the horrors of the land. Look at verse 32. The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. End of 33. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. The people of Israel, the people of Israel then get on board with the majority report. They begin crying. They begin weeping. They begin grumbling. They begin wishing they were back in the life of slavery back in Egypt. But Joshua and Caleb, Joshua and Caleb are undaunted. They build up their argument. Look, they say the land is exceedingly good. It indeed flows with milk and honey. And more importantly, most importantly, God will lead them into the land. God will give them the land that he has promised to them. And then Caleb gives one final warning and an encouragement. Look at verse 9. Only do not rebel against the Lord. And do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. But the people of Israel, they don't listen to Caleb or Joshua. In fact, they pick up stones and they want to stone Caleb and Joshua. And as a result, God gets very, very, very upset. And he pronounces a judgment on the people. He pronounces a judgment on that generation and says to them, you will never see or enter the land that I have promised because of the contempt that you have shown to me. But there's a wholly different outcome for Caleb. Look at verse 24. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. There it is. God even says that Caleb follows him wholeheartedly and with a different spirit. And part of that different spirit that Caleb had was the fact that he had a confident faith in God. He believed God when God said, that land is your land, and I am going to go with you, and I am going to help you conquer that land. Caleb believed that, demonstrating his confident faith, and not only did he believe it, but he acted on it. And by acting on it, he completely demonstrates the confident faith that he has in God. See, faith is not positive thinking. Faith is not looking on the bright side. Faith is 
believing in God and who he is. You see, there is an object to our faith, and the object to our faith and to Caleb's faith here is that he believed in God and he acted or obeyed the instruction that God had given to him. And that's exactly what Caleb did. He demonstrated a confident faith. He was ready to demonstrate confident faith when he was 40. And when he was 85, he actually demonstrated by obeying what God had said, by entering into his promise. First way that Caleb demonstrated following the Lord wholeheartedly was by demonstrating utilizing a confident faith. The second way is found back in Joshua 14. So turn back to Joshua 14. The second way that Caleb demonstrated his wholehearted commitment to God, the second way he demonstrated his wholehearted commitment to God was through his enthusiastic optimism. Through his enthusiastic optimism. Look at Joshua 14 beginning in verse 10. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out into battle now as I was then. Caleb is 85 years old. And he is saying, let me at them. Let me at those Anakites. Let me go into that land that I walked 45 years ago and let me take the land from those Anakites. 85 years old. Now, I don't think that this is a, this is a statement of pride. This is just a, he's, he's just stating, Caleb's just stating a fact that flows out of his optimism. He believes that he can take Hebron because God has promised him Hebron. He believes that those Anakites will fall to his sword because he believes that God is going to go with him. Caleb has an enthusiastic optimism that flows out of this confident faith that he has in God. So he has this positive outlook on how things are going to turn out. Of course. When I go into Hebron, of course the Anakites are going to fall because God is going to be with me. Caleb exhibits an enthusiastic optimism. Have you ever noticed, have you ever noticed that everyone is not optimistic? Have you ever noticed that some people are actually negative? Amen. For some people, for some people, nothing is ever right. Nothing will ever be accomplished. For some people, the cup is always half empty. There are some people out there that are negative. And you know what? A negative spirit, listen to me, a negative spirit is always of the flesh. 
a negative spirit is never from God. When we're negative, it flows out of a place of distrust. Either we don't trust God to do what he says he's going to do, or we don't trust God to work in the people around us. A negative spirit is always of the flesh, and it is never from God. Now, we all have these people in our lives. It is my hope that you are not one of them. It is my hope that each one of us here express the positivity that comes from recognizing that God is who he says he is and he will do what he says he will do. And if we trust that, we will be people of enthusiastic optimism. Now, I want you to, I want you to know that optimism does come in different styles. And that's okay. Not everyone is out there in their enthusiastic optimism. Not everyone is exuberant in their optimism. Some people are, and that's okay. But some people are more quiet and reserved in their optimism, and that's okay. It's not about the style. It is about whether you are negative and you always see the cup as being half empty, or whether you trust God and out of that trust flows an enthusiastic optimism. Caleb demonstrates enthusiastic optimism. For Caleb, the cup was always half full. The people, the 10 spies come back with a majority report. They're giants. We can't defeat them. We can't enter the land. We won't do that. Caleb says, oh, yes, we will. We will take that land because God is on our side. The other 10 come back and they say, no, we look like grasshoppers to them. And we feel like grasshoppers. And Caleb says, oh, no. It's not about what we look like. It's not about what they think we look like. It's not even about what we think we look like because God is on our side. And if God is on your side and you trust him, following him wholeheartedly means that you will exhibit and enthusiastic optimism. Caleb followed the Lord wholeheartedly, and that meant that he demonstrated a confident faith, an enthusiastic optimism, and third and finally, it means that Caleb welcomed a challenge. Caleb welcomed a challenge. Look at verses 12 through 14. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself, you yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Yephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Yephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Remember, we said that Caleb was promised this land, but the Anakites, the giants, inhabited the land. So Caleb took up the challenge. Not only did he take up the challenge, not only did he welcome the challenge, Caleb was looking forward to the challenge that God had placed before him to conquer the land that God had promised him so many years before. Caleb had to fight for his land, and he is clearly willing to accept that challenge. Do you get this? 
do you get this? Caleb is 85 years old here. He's 85 years old and he is welcome. He welcoming. He is even looking forward to the challenge. He's not looking for a comfortable resort where he can retire. He's not looking for the best golf course to which he can play for the rest of his life. He's not looking at his pension record numbers. Caleb is looking forward to the challenge that God has given him to take the land that God has promised him. And he has turned the challenge into an opportunity, an opportunity for God to demonstrate who he is through his presence and through his power. Caleb welcomes the challenge. Have you ever noticed, have you ever noticed how many people seem to give up living before they actually die? Did you hear what I said? Have you ever noticed how many people seem to give up living before they actually die? And this isn't only old people. There's some 30-year-olds that have given up living before they've actually died. It's like, it's like a person running a race and coming within the view of the finish line and saying, well, I've had enough. I'm going to sit down now and watch everybody else go by me. That is not how we as followers of Jesus are to live our lives. Remember what Paul says? Remember what Paul said? Paul said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And so many times we hear, I hear people saying, you know what, I'm too old now. I'll let somebody else take care of this. I can't get that done. I've tried that before. I just want to retire and sit back and do nothing. Or the best one of all, actually it's the most annoying one of all, been there, done that. How many of you heard that statement? Been there, done that. Don't raise your hand if you've used it. It would be embarrassing at this point. When you're in a race... When you're in a race, and each one of us is in a race, when you come up to the finish line, you don't sit down and stare at the finish line. I know you're tired. I know you're worn out. I know the end is near. But when you come to the end of the race, what does a racer do? A racer kicks it in gear. A racer says, he digs from those reserves, and he says, I'm going to finish hard. I'm going to cross that line as fast as I possibly can. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. That's what Caleb does. He fights the good fight. He finishes the race. He keeps the faith. And let's face it, when we get older, when we get older, you should have more wisdom. When you've lived life and you get older, you should have more wisdom. Use the wisdom that God has given you. When you get older, you, most many have more financial resources. Are you using the financial resources that God has given you for his kingdom purposes? Are you using those resources to help somebody with less resource in order to achieve what God has for them? When we get older, we often have more time. Are you using that time for God? Are you spending more time encouraging someone that God has placed in your sphere of influence? Are you using that time to accomplish the challenge or the opportunity that God has given to you? 
Are you using that time to spend more of it in prayer, to move God, to act on your and others' behalf? As we get older, we have more resources. We have more time. We hopefully have more wisdom that God wants us to use. He wants us to take on the challenge that he has presented for us. And that's what I love about Calvary Church. I look out and I see so many octogenarians and 70-year-olds and 60-year-olds and even 30 and 20. I see so many people taking on the challenge. This morning at 7.20, I'm in a room with about 25, 30 other people and these people are praying for these services today. Most of them are in their 70s. And they're praying. I look at the mission trips to which people sign up for here at Calvary Church, and there are 70-year-olds going on mission trips. Shoot, a couple years ago, we had a 90-year-old that went on a mission trip. That's the attitude that is the attitude of Caleb that welcomes a challenge. And there are so many challenges that we... You know, April 10th, we're going over to Calvin College. Anybody up with that? You know this Grace Beyond thing? April 10th, we will no longer be here. We will all be at Calvin College. And this is a challenge for us as a church, but it is also an opportunity. And the opportunity is present for all of us to link arms together to accept the challenge of going to that place together. And Calvary Church will and can do that because we follow the Lord God wholeheartedly. But I look at that sign, see that number right there? 2622, if you're in here, your kid needs you. But lots of times, 5,000 flashes on there. When we were singing songs, 5,000 was flashing. You know what that means? That means that they need help in the children's ministry. An opportunity, a challenge for you to serve. They need help in the children's ministry. You know what, a couple weeks ago? A couple weeks ago, we sent out a notice. We sent out an email. Because we're going to Calvin College. You've heard about that, right? Grace Beyond. (laughs) We're going to Calvin College, and we need workers there to help with our children, right? Some of your children, some of my children, grandchildren, we need help, help with the children. We sent out a notice a few weeks ago asking for help. You know how many responses we got? Zero. I know that's not going to stay. I know that's not going to stay because Calvary Church has the mindset of Caleb. And I know you are going to step up and you are going to have a confident faith and you are going to be enthusiastically optimistic and you are going to welcome a challenge and we are going to all do that together. Because that is the mindset of Caleb, and that is how he demonstrates how he is following the Lord God Almighty wholeheartedly. Three things, three closing keys, and these are quick and these are short. Three keys to the application of this in our lives. The first key is this. Did you notice that all three of these demonstrations of wholeheartedness are interconnected? They're interconnected. And what I mean by that is if you demonstrate a confident faith, you typically have an enthusiastic optimism and you welcome challenges. If you demonstrate enthusiastic optimism, you usually have a confident faith and you welcome challenges. If you welcome challenges, you usually have a confident faith and you are enthusiastically optimistic. But the reverse is also true. If you don't have one, you usually don't have the other two. They are interconnected. Second key or application is this. I know that there are some of you who are sitting and you're saying, Tom, you don't know my situation. You don't know the assignment that God has given to me. And it seems overwhelmingly difficult. 
I hear you. Caleb's assignment was difficult. He was 85 years old, and he had to conquer the giants. I know that there are many assignments represented in this room that are extremely difficult. Here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to follow God's principle of sowing and reaping. Follow God's principle of sowing and reaping. And this is what I mean. If you don't seem to have a confident faith, take or sow a step of faith. Take a step of faith and see how God responds by giving you more faith. If you are not optimistic, pretend. Pretend to be optimistic and see how God responds to your optimism by giving you more optimism. What you sow, you will reap. If you are not feeling like welcoming a challenge, take a small one and take a challenge, see it as an opportunity, and then see how God responds with his presence and with his power. You see, because the key to this message is that although I've identified each of these three things as demonstrations of what it means to wholeheartedly follow God, they are more than just Caleb's demonstrations. Because when you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. So when you exhibit a confident faith, God responds by giving you more faith. When you act optimistic, God responds by giving you more optimism. When you accept the challenge that God has laid before you, he shows up in his presence and in his power. And the only way that number two actually works is because of the key application number three. This story is not Caleb's story. This story is God's story. This isn't about Caleb and who he is. This is about God and who he is. You see, Caleb had a confident faith. He was optimistic and he accepted the challenge and turned it into an opportunity because Caleb knew and trusted God. And God is worthy of our trust. This story is about an almighty, powerful God who wants to show up and demonstrate his power in your life, in my life, and in our life as a church. And Caleb saw that. And that is what made Caleb follow the Lord wholeheartedly. Because this is God's story, it is my prayer that you and I will be able to say, we followed the Lord God wholeheartedly. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. Because this story and every other story is ultimately about you and who you are. Lord, I know that there are people here this morning that are discouraged, that are feeling overwhelmed with the assignment that you have given them, that are just feeling overwhelmed with life in general. 
Lord, I pray that this morning would be an encouragement to them and that they will see, Lord, that you will open their eyes so that they will see that you are the Lord God Almighty and that you and you alone are the one who is great. Lord, help us to put our faith and our trust in you. Help us to be people of enthusiastic optimism. And Lord, help us to be people who are welcoming, who are welcoming, even looking forward to the challenges that you have laid out before us. It is in Jesus' name we pray and we ask all these things. Amen.